0: This is Katie Prajan McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. When we think of living our faith and putting our faith into action, and we've talked about this on the show before, there's oftentimes this deep desire, rightly so, to go out to the margins and to the very edges of the world even, to do the work that is necessary, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit the imprisoned, to give shelter to the homeless, to provide for the impoverished. As we've talked about pretty consistently in every episode, though, the hungry and the naked and the imprisoned and the sick and the impoverished are are often right around the corner from us. We might have just been blind to that. Catherine Lopez wrote in in her piece last week that, you know, on her walk to work every day, whether in D.C. or New York, the two places that she finds herself the most, she's often struck by how many people she passes who are begging for food, for even just acknowledgement that they're there, and how it's part of her her mission in life to to help these people feel seen. She doesn't have to go to a third-world country. She doesn't have to go on a a pre-planned mission trip. She doesn't have to go paint a house. All noble things to do, but she can just walk to work and still love someone and and help someone in need on that walk that she takes every day. What a unique concept, right? What a a fascinating idea that the, the putting of our faith into action is often done in very normal, almost mundane, simple circumstances in the places that we find ourselves all the time. In our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our grocery stores, in our workplaces, in our church parishes, we don't have to go very far to find people in need and to put our faith into action. There's a great quote from Blessed Basil Moreau, the founder of the Congregation of Holy Cross. He says, with eyes of faith, consider the greatness of your mission and the wonderful amount of good which you can accomplish. I love that. The founder of, of the Congregation of Holy Cross, who of course um, is based and housed in the United States of America at the University of Notre Dame, Notre Dame, uh, more affectionately called go Fighting Irish blessed basil Moreau who who didn 't live a tumultuous life so much as a life that was very focused on on answering the call that he felt and, and sometimes was criticized for it and even ousted for it but yet was still such a faithful man of God and who, who was so confident in the direction he wanted to see the congregation go and the work he wanted to see this, this order do and educating and serving and loving people and helping the ignorant learn and, and giving space and place to people who might have been forgotten as they sought to understand and, and to learn what this, the truths of the faith and the truth of life actually is. Blessed Basil Moreau might not be the social justice warrior saint that you think of when we think of faith in action. He's certainly not as well known as, say, Mother Teresa of Calcutta or even Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati, but the work that he did and the order that he established and the work that they now do is essential to not only the teaching and the practice of Catholic social teaching, but of all all men and women of goodwill and of faith recognizing the mission and the good that we can do. That's what we're having a conversation about today. The history of the congregation of Holy Cross, the purpose, again, of putting our faith into action, doing another 10,000-foot view look at what it means to set our faith into action, but really trying to understand the story of this very holy man who had this very specific vision and wanted to do a necessary and important work in the world. You know, as we, as we think about our faith in action and even as we wrap up our series on faith in action, this being the second to last episode of this particular season, the thing that I think I've learned the most and I hope that our audience, you listeners, have learned as well is that, again, it, it doesn't necessarily require a crazy amount of effort or this heroic stretching to do good. That's, of course, good to do, to stretch and to do the heroic things, but it's often in the simple, present, everyday ways that we can love those in need, that we can respond to the corporal work of mercy uh, that might be right in front of us in that moment, that we can love the person we pass by, that we can serve within the neighborhood in which we find ourselves as we've unpacked all of this throughout our Ave Explorer series through articles and, and other podcast episodes, through videos, showcases, saint biographies, challenges, I'd encourage you to hop on over to AveMariaPress.com to find all of the content that we've created. There's some excellent stuff there. I think this is my favorite series we've done so far, and I know I say that every time, but that's just because it keeps getting better. So I hope you you go on over to Ave Maria Press to find all of that great content, to subscribe and, and hear all of our other shows And learn about all these things that we've talked about over the past few weeks. Today's episode is with a young Holy Cross priest, Father Michael Thomas, who is down in Chile teaching at one of the Holy Cross schools. And he tells the story of Blessed Basmal Rose so passionately, and he talks so eloquently about this work of social justice that we're called to take on, the work of prayer that is required when we do the work of social justice. What it means to put our faith into action, not just from a theoretical perspective, from a practical perspective, to love those people in our neighborhood, to serve those people in our direct line of vision, to reach out to those men and women we know, perhaps are even in relationship with, who need our love, compassion, and care. So today, I bring to you this excellent conversation with Father Michael Thomas of the Congregation of Holy Cross about Blessed Basil Moreau and setting our faith into action. (laughs) Well, Father Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: I'm gusto. A uh, great pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, it's 10.10 10 here in Santiago, Chile. We're only one hour different, yeah. but we're about, I don't know, like 12 hours apart on yeah. an airplane. It would take a while <laughs> so to weird. get there,
0: especially now yeah. since none of us can fly. Um, yes. Yeah. How, you know, how did you end up in Chile? And then how did you end up as a, a Holy Cross priest? What, what's your story? Who are you? Um, I and I'm learning this myself. Like I, I know the bio from the email. That's about it.
1: Perfect. I mean, so your first question: How did I end, how did I end up in Chile when I was a seminarian with Holy Cross? I think in 2015, I visited one summer because we have our summer placements where we explore different places where Holy Cross is working in the United States, but also abroad in Asia and Latin America um, and in Africa. And so uh, I came here to Chile to our school called St. George's College. And they use the word college here, but it denotes uh, usually pre-K through 12th grade. Um, so you've got uh, 14 years of schooling. And I came down to this place we have uh, called St. George's, which has 2,700 students, 300 staff, where the congregation has been for about 70 years. And it's one of the more famous schools in Santiago, Um and uh that so i first knew the school back in 2015 i worked here for like 2 months i thought it was really cool then i went back to do more years of study and then when i was finishing my theological studies back in 2018 yes that's right 2018 the provincial uh we were all getting our assignments and we get you get an email that the provincial wants to have a breakfast with you and it's at Bob Evans. So that's <laughs> like, that's like good. And so you at like eight in the morning. So we were in finals and he, at, uh, in the winter semester, the fall semester, and he was meeting with us and he was like, Michael, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, we want you to consider going to Santiago Chile next year, where you will be placed as a seminary and get ordained a deacon and then go ordained, priest about 10 months uh after that and when the provincial says I want you to consider what he means as you're going so like prepare prepare I want you to prepare yourself to go right. um so um and that's how it is but we couldn't say anything for a while because we we're still hammering out details but in June of 2018 I came down here as a seminarian so I'm coming up on my two-year mark <laughs> and uh I was a I am now a sophomore homeroom teacher. I have 39 kids in my homeroom. I have, and actually in 47 minutes, I'll be on Zoom with them. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I'm also, I teach theology in 10th grade and 12th grade. And I'm a chaplain to the high school, which means I work in campus ministry um, here at the school. And it's a blast. It's a mammoth institution. Uh, Like I said, we've got, you know, 1800 families, something like that. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I got to Chile from the seminary.
0: Was there a, a language gap or did you already know, is it Portuguese or Spanish in Chile?
1: It's Spanish. And I knew I minored in it in undergrad. I did, I studied political science and philosophy and I minored in Spanish. So I had a little bit, um, I was in Mexico for a summer in formation in Chile for a summer in formation. And I was at, I lived a year at our parish in South Bend, St. Adelbert's Parish, which is uh, now majority Hispanic, specifically Mexican immigrant parish. So I had practice, but it was really here that okay. I uh, uh, learned it. But Chilean Spanish is different. They have lots of little uh, like uh, modismos, little uh, ch- chilenismos, uh, and the, a very specific way of speaking that makes them kind of famous, actually. Yeah, in yeah. South America.
0: What was, what drew you to, I mean, you said yes, because you had to, but I mean, obviously, you were in that Bob Evans with the provincial because you were a <laughs> member of the congregation. You didn't just show yes. up one morning. I was having my and biscuits guy. and
1: gravy at eight <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, I so. love
0: that the provincial takes you to Bob Evans. It's like my favorite.
1: <laughs> it's perfect because it's right by campus. Yeah. It's right by his office. I've so been there.
0: Yeah, you, can, uh, ah, you know
1: that one. Father on, Dennis uh, and
0: I had breakfast there. The one of the vocation recruiters. The I guess there's a lot time. of
1: wor- a business that goes down in the Bob yeah. Evans. It's oh, a yeah. great breakfast. You know, there's it's a it's you know,
0: a place that will one day, Blake, in hundreds of years, when the congregation is being written about that location will be cited yeah. as the beginning where of many heroic the stories.
1: site of the missioning of so-and-so yeah. and where Katie Prejean <laughs> uh, passed through with Dennis Strack
0: where um, what, so were you a student at Notre Dame is that what led you to the congregation you just knew about them what, what's that story
1: you know, so I'm from South Bend and I went to our grade school at Holy Cross Parish. So K through eight, which is that parish is founded by Father Sorin. There's the majority of the history of the school has always been Holy Cross sisters, actually. Uh, really early on in the school, I remember they were teaching us French because the community is a French order. And so that was the traditional language. They always taught the kids like as their second language, but they switched to Spanish when I was um Little, but that's how I first knew the congregation. So the first priest I ever met was Father Tony Zakeley. And I remember being in like second grade and him uh, getting us ready for First Communion, taking us on a tour of the church, uh, coming to our class to do like Q&A. Um, and we had weekly mass um, from kindergarten to eighth grade. Maybe not kinder. Maybe they waited till first grade, but <laughs> really little. Uh kindergarten just screwing, on Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but actually Katie, my family's not Catholic. Oh. So they sent me to this school and because it was St. Joe was a good school. The Catholic stuff was kind of a bonus. Um, and, uh, but it made a really big, uh, impact on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went to Catholic high school, St. Joe high, uh, right next to Notre Dame. And, uh, it was really there too, that, uh, I had learned when I was a kid really to pray at the grade school. I mean, our family, we're, my family's Protestant. So we went to church every Sunday. Prayer was a part of our lives as a family. Um, I was baptized in third grade. Um, So I had mass on Wednesdays and then our church on Sunday. And, um, but they also, they taught me to love Jesus Mm -hmm. at that church. They taught me to love the Bible. Uh, They taught me to pray. Um, but also at my grade school, that's where I learned the mass. I learned, uh, the rosary. I learned the stations of the cross. That was actually very impactful for me in middle school. The stations we used to do all school in Lent, uh, St. Nicholas day with father Tony dressed up like St. Nick, uh, burying these scrolls that said, alleluia on them at the beginning oh, wow. of
0: Lent. Yeah. Yeah. And then everyone
1: going outside and digging them up and oh, holding yeah. them, they're like, they're, they're uh, the kind of liturgical sense and ritual uh, really formed me even as a kid, even though um, I, uh, I wasn't a Catholic. So it was, but it was in high school. I remember Catholic doctrine class when I was a freshman with Mrs. Carrier and we were learning like the five ways of uh, knowing Uh, of uh, the five ways of proving God from Thomas Aquinas. And we were learning about freedom and sin and grace and um, angels, like all these things. And I remember just being blown away. I'm like, wow, these guys have like thought of everything. Like every, and I was, I was impressed at that age, even at four, I was 15 then, but at 15 of um, the sophistication, the fact that every question I had about, what Catholics believed, there were even more questions and better questions that they had to raise that I hadn't even thought of. Mm -hmm. Uh, The kind of, the ways that everything kind of began to fit together, kind of, uh, it's it's like system of ideas. So then it was very intellectual, Mm -hmm. but I was impressed by that. Um, And and I remember as a sophomore, though, in our New Testament class, um, when we read John 6, Bread of Life Discourse, Um, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood. I am the bread come down from heaven. Whoever does not eat my flesh and drink my blood does not have life within him. And our teacher just told us that's the Eucharist. And it was like a moment of uh, real clarity. I remember that moment. I remember where I was in the room. I remember that afternoon. And it was kind of a, a lucid clear moment interiorly where I thought, I believe that. I believe that that is what the Eucharist is. I knew what the Eucharist was from all my formation in in Catholic school. Um, And so those were two important moments in high school. And then when I was leaving, I had a lot of conversations with one of my high school teachers who now looking back, I mean, she was super young, like 22, 23, just graduated college teaching us apologetics And we would talk and talk and talk about Catholicism, about grace, about uh, the sacraments and Paul and the early church. And, uh, you know, I was then as a freshman, I went to IU Bloomington, Indiana University Bloomington with 40,000
0: of my closest friends
1: (laughs) down there. So, uh, and I entered into RCIA as a freshman there. Mm. So that's, and then I had first communion and was confirmed uh, at 19 mm. and, uh, down there in, uh, Bloomington at a parish, St. Charles Borromeo, right next to campus. Um, so it's, it was a beautiful, uh, thing and receiving the Eucharist. I remember thinking, I don't know how I lived before mm-hmm. without this, like I, the, the, this, um, the closest communion you could have on earth with Jesus, mm. um, the on this side of eternity
0: yeah.
1: um and i yeah i so that, that really changed my life
0: and that and, and so receiving the eucharist was it then just like well i want to give this to people like like that, obviously <laughs> no, no. i'm catholic now right. so i'm gonna do the most catholic thing and become a
1: priest uh, <laughs> right right so actually right after this it actually begins to touch on our topic for today which is yeah. um kind of thinking about what is the social doctrine of the church how does the church think about um Uh, politics, society, economics, community, um, what justice looks like is right after that. So the school year ends. I've had my first communion and I found myself for an interesting set of circumstances at the South Bend Catholic Worker. Mm. Um, And it was at the South Bend Catholic Worker, which is a movement started by Dorothy Day in the 30s in New York, um, who's now servant of God and is is uh actually Cardinal Dolan is uh the Cardinal kind of in charge of her cause because she's from New York or her cause is opened in New York um and I found myself there and it was at this place uh which has like a soup kitchen it also has a community a men's house and a women's house for people who might otherwise be on the street live with Mm. students um we live together, we pray together, we eat together, we have gardens and chicken coops and like all these kind of cool things. Um, but it was there that I met Holy Cross seminarians mm. who were my same age. They were undergraduate seminarians and uh, also like just other Catholic students our own age. And, but it was by my, because of my friendship with seminarians that I began to come around like and see the seminary that I began to meet Holy Cross priests and kind of connect the dots I'm like wait you guys are the ones who were there when I was a kid yeah at St. Joe Parish um and it was really there that um this in my joy at the Catholic worker with these guys and I would begin to think like why why can't this be your whole life? Like, this, like, that your whole life would be community, prayer, and this mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was kind of my, and I saw in them a radical living out because it's a religious community, too, a radical living out in community of this kind of giving yourself totally over mm-hmm. for the gospel and for this life that is willing to leave things behind in a way that was similar to the Catholic worker, but in the end, and that was really what I was discerning between kind of leaving college. um, In the end, it wasn't for me, I did feel called to be a sacramental minister um, as well. And so that to share, to give exactly what I had uh, found so much joy and, um, and life in which Mm -hmm. were the sacraments and so um, and to kind of build up the church, like mm-hmm. that's like I wanted to be someone for, who helped to kind of build up
0: mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm.
1: this this body um and this church who I love so much, and so um yeah, I think that, but when I was in fourth grade, I did. I did write in my prayer journal. You know, I always wanted to be a kind of a missionary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or a kind like. Even as a little kid, there was in some something in me. Um, and I was a pretty pious kid that I I wanted to give myself to God in a in a special way, um, even from really little. Um, so, yeah, I found in Holy Cross and in the priesthood like a transformation of. Mm-hmm who, who I am, who like to, and, but it also was deeply continuous in a weird way with a lot of kind of already who I was kind of my desires. And I think also the way God led me from a little Protestant kid in South Bend, Indiana (laughs) to a Catholic priest in Chile, there's actually more continuity than, uh, you know, one would think. Yeah. I
0: mean, the vocation never dulls a person's personality it only enhances it um and it sounds like like your zigzag journey (laughs) to chile and to the congregation wasn't a zigzag for the lord it was more like a very clear trajectory of well this is what i want you to do and it's just going to be a matter of time before you figure that out i hope you're enjoying this conversation with father michael thomas who is down in chile with the congregation of holy cross we have a lot more coming in this conversation so please stay tuned But I did want to let you know that all of the content for Ave Explores, the series on faith in action, is currently available at AveMariaPress.com. Every article, podcast, video, showcase, challenge, saint biography, it's all there, right for you. Uh, To click on, to read, to share To to take advantage of We're so proud of what we've created And we hope that you enjoy it as well So go on over to AveMariaPress.com And you can find everything Articles from Father Josh Johnson A video from Michael Gormley Content um, about different ministries Throughout the country That are doing great work I think you'll really enjoy it So go on over to AveMariaPress.com The link is down in the show notes To see the whole series what I'm struck by in that story is that the congregation immediately, it was clear to you that those were the guys that you wanted to be a part of, mm-hmm. um, that their joy, that their mission. Tell us a little bit about, I mean, the history and the, the, the mission of the congregation. We know, of course, Notre Dame University. We know Father Soren. It was begun by Basil Moreau, um, who is a blessed, correct?
1: Correct. And yep. then
0: we've got the famous St. Andre Bessette. Everybody knows this guy, the door holder. Brother the Andre, door yes. holder. Yeah. Um, but tell us a little bit about that mission that you discovered when you entered the seminary. And, and I mean, I, I've been very blessed to spend time with Holy Cross priests up at Notre Dame when I've done Notre Dame vision and when I've been working at Ave. And every time I walk away from a congregation priest, I'm like, man, I want these guys in every diocese in the country. <laughs> like I want them to, to run the church. And I'm, I'm biased in saying that. But tell us a little bit about that mission.
1: Well, uh, like you said, well, Katie, I mean, uh, so Basil Moreau founds a congregation in the early 19th century in France, and immediately, and he kind of, so he was a a theology professor and a, he kind of, um, and he was really popular, and a really popular spiritual director, and so what he did was he started to kind of organize kind of his, kind of best students who mm-hmm. were also in the diet. He was a diocesan priest and he got these guys together. He eventually joined them to the brothers who were founded by father Dejarier who were sort of organized, who were teaching brothers mm-hmm. and these kind of auxiliary priests who were helping out preaching missions, doing all this. And so immediately we're in education and then immediately we're in mission work. So he's mm-hmm. sending the, some of the first missions, Algeria, Bangladesh, Poland, and Rome. North America, Mm -hmm. Canada, actually your neck of the woods too. They were down there in, uh, around Louisiana. And so, um, and I mean, there, there wasn't enough money. There's, there was never enough money. There were never enough people. There were plagues. I mean, people were dying in boats trying to get to Bangladesh. They were dying from the plague in Northern Indiana and in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, all kinds of difficulties And Basil Moreau was convinced that this congregation, uh, would be, is an, is an instrument of God for, for the world. And that, that it's really interesting, his theology, that because our unity with Jesus was so intimate and the heart of the spiritual, I mean, that is the heart of the spirituality of Holy Cross Mm -hmm. is conformity to Christ. I mean, that we talk about the cross as our hope that that comes the, the primacy is this union with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that means, because of that unity, that we will live what Christ lived, which was the cross, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the resurrection. Um, but so for Basil Moreau, all these hardships uh, were, I mean, he's writing over and over and over about the cross, Across, It's actually a good sign, he mm-hmm. says, like, because that means that we are living our vocation of as our constitutions now say, our mission is the Lord's. Mm -hmm. We have no mission outside of what Christ's mission is vis-a-vis the church and vis-a-vis the world. Mm -hmm. And so um, if we're doing something other than that, we're not doing our mission. Mm -hmm. And that gets articulated very specifically by Moreau and by um, what has been the kind of lived experience of all kinds of varieties of par- of uh, ministries, but specifically there's a deep anchoring in the work of education. Mm-hmm. And that expresses itself right now in 2020 in grade schools, trade schools, high schools, universities, orphanages, mm-hmm. soup kitchens, parishes in 20 countries. Um, if I think about our context down here, so we're in Chile, with schools and parishes and an orphanage. We're in Peru with a parish that was founded up in the hills of the slums of Lima that I just saw in February that has the the Holy Cross priests arrived there before there was electricity, like in the the 70s and late 60s, before there was electricity, before there was running water, they lived in boxes up on these hills outside of the city of slums with not a blade of grass, and from that time have grown the community and the parish, mm. our Lord, the Lord of Hope is the name mm. of the parish, has uh, grown up with this población out there. And so now the parish is responsible for a quarter of a million people over 19 chapels.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, last year, there were 1,200 first communions.
0: Wow. Um,
1: like a thousand baptisms. Um, so the I saw in that parish almost 200 youth preparing themselves to be catechists so their youth group is like 500 kids there's like 200 kids who are like i want to teach confirmation i want to teach first communion so um and there's a clinic there that uh is attached to the parish it has a thousand according to the people there a thousand patients a week because it's so um, with a staff of 60 people it also has a national model for uh, a facility a place for kids who have special needs from mm-hmm. zero to uh, 14 15 years old and support for their parents that's like a national model mm-hmm. and that's attached to the parish too um, there's about 100 kids a day who pass through that place Wow! and so um, in Brazil we have high schools we have parishes and um So just if I think of the continent of Latin America, of South America, of Brazil, Peru, and Chile, um, there is this emphasis on the care and formation too of the young. Mm -hmm. And it just, I mean, there's parish work um, and that gets everybody. But I would say too, in Holy Cross parishes, there is an emphasis and a preoccupation for the formation of the young. Most of our parishes are attached to schools in the United States. and, yeah, so I would yeah. Say
0: that. Well, I mean, you're, you're talking about this mission is our, our work is the work of the Lord. And that's beautiful because that's really a mantra for everyone. Um, yes. Specifically, we can witness that in the work of the, the priests and brothers and sisters of the Congregation of Holy Cross. But there seems to be this, as you're talking, I keep coming back to, it's, it's almost like the congregation wants to see people and immediately assess their situation and say, how can I love them as Jesus loves them? And in some instances that's, we're gonna build an orphanage because there are children that need a home. In some instances it's, we're gonna put a school here because these people need to know everything from, from math and science to, to theology. We need to put a parish here because people need to receive the sacraments. It, it, it seems like the, the congregation has this gigantic tent and underneath it, all of these incredible things can happen. As I'm sitting here listening to you my question then becomes well how does that get extrapolated for me in 2020 in southwest louisiana where you know i i can't go join the order i could maybe send a kid there someday fingers crossed but but like what how can we're i ready. Be we're part ready we're ready for that yes yeah. well i've often <laughs> yeah. joked with my husband that you know if we have more than two kids one of them get, jesus gets one of them <laughs> and they can they can fight amongst themselves but jesus gets one of them yes uh, but you know how can i be part of of a mission that is the Lord's in, 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 a, in a regular life circumstance. And most of the people that are listening to our podcast would find themselves in, you know, they're laymen and women who go to church, who love Jesus, but maybe want to do more. And this whole series has really been about that. What would you encourage them to do, to ponder, to, to think about more than just writing a check or, you know, dropping off some cans at Catholic charities? Like what, how can we participate in that mission?
1: What a beautiful question. And that, as you've I mean, that is the central question of of Christianity. That's what our baptism means. That's what the Eucharist means. And that's actually just a really side note. That's actually something so cool about Moreau is he was a little bit ahead of his time in the dignity and the demands uh, that that he understood baptism to be on Christian. And he would have been wanting, he would have been, that would have been the very subject of his preaching. Um, So... um, and I think from a holy Holy Cross's perspective on this would be the first move for living that mission is intimate knowledge of the Lord. Mm. So the first move is to is conformity to him through spending time with him and knowing him, which mm. means prayer. And it means specifically prayer, as Basil Moreau would say, meditating on the life of Jesus. Mm. So he would say. You know, and he wrote these spiritual exercises that are modeled in many ways. They're they're in deep conversation with Ignatius of Loyola's uh, spiritual exercises, but with very important distinctions, and also Thomas Akempis's The Imitation of Christ. Those are really important uh, sources for Moreau's own exercises of four weeks, but they they are based upon this deep, slow and intimate meditation upon the life of Christ from his infancy in Nazareth to conversing with the resurrected Christ um, in the upper room. So I would say move number one, prayer, meditating on the life of Jesus in the gospels, Mm -hmm. knowing him so that our hearts desire what his heart desires, our mind thinks how he would think our our uh, Basil Moreau even talks about the transformation of our, of our feelings and affect so mm-hmm. that we would, um, uh, you know, laugh at what Christ would find funny like, and be horrified by, by what Christ would be horrified by Moreau quotes Gregory of Nyssa saying the Christian should paint with his life, the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like you are an art, like every person is an artist every christian is an artist in a sense and with your life you should paint his his life in your own circumstance in your own so the second thing i would say is uh go and look around so like go to so you're meditating on the life of christ and then so those um those community those parts of your community mm-hmm. that um that are essential for the flourishing of your community and the Catholic philosophical tradition. I think of like, you know, Alistair McIntyre at Notre Dame or something. He highlights three sites of that in the, in the uh, Christian intellectual tradition. He wants to look at family life, schools and workplace. Mm -hmm. And so I think a really good advice would say, go find which those things you belong to Mm -hmm. already your family or the life of families that you know, the schools that you know, the workplaces that you're a part of or that you know, and begin there by deliberating with those people. What is necessary for the flourishing of the members of these communities that I know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, and one, and to ask yourselves why things are the way they are. So if I, so to use an example of Alistair McIntyre, he may look at something like, um, you know, why is it that in this neighborhood over here, I've got Whole Foods, I've got Costco, I've got, uh, you know, you name it kind of food access. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, a mile and a half over here, I've got Seven Eleven. you know, why, Mm -hmm. what would these, what would the people over here need to flourish and to see yourself as a part of that community, rather than to see yourself either as someone kind of, um, only giving charity or something like that. Now, charity is essential. It's actually an essential part of the Christian life. Not only is it often very necessary uh, to have an immediate response to a real need, it's also a practice of love that is deeply embedded in the Christian tradition. Mm -hmm. But to have a more kind of sustained questioning, and here we get into the richness of what is the social teaching of the church, to enter into those communities as a participant in that community and to say, what do the members of this community need for their flourishing? And that's something one discovers in conversation with that community. Mm-hmm. So, you the school of your husband that you brought up. Like, so what, what is the good? What are the goods at stake in educating? The, I mean, we want them to have serious intellectual uh, growth, serious human formation, growth in the virtues. We want them to have physical. Uh, growth and the development of all their potentialities in in that regard what's that going to take right and and so those kinds of questions it's slower work
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and it's local but each one of us belongs to groups already Mm -hmm. and if we begin to poke around a little bit we will probably find that there's a lot that could be better uh yeah and so yeah
0: well that's I mean you're You're saying something that there's been this trend, I think in like the 90s and early 2000s, well, I'm gonna go do mission work and people would hop on planes and go visit impoverished communities in third world countries who need our charity. But I also can't move to Nicaragua. I can package food and I can, and my parents were very involved in this Nicaraguan mission group where we would, my sister and I would wake up on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. and go pack medicine and food. And I mean, it was weeks to prepare. People would go down there for 10 days, they'd come back, my life has been changed. And I mean, even from a young age, I would sit there and think, okay, but what are you, how are you giving medicine to people here in town who need it? <laughs> because I know right. there's, not that it's, it's good to go do that international mission work, it's, it's imperative, but there's also people that live next door to me that need help or in the school community that my husband teaches in. So that principle of subsidiarity is huge in this movement of the work of social justice.
1: Because you're exactly right, because I won't be the kind of person who is able to figure out what the heck is going on in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And I say this to you as I sit in my desk in Chile, <laughs> but, right. I won't, but I won't. <laughs> but I won't. But I won't be the kind of person. It's like if I don't even know what's going on in my town, and I haven't formed myself in the virtues and practices of common deliberation, problem solving. What are the goods at stake here? How do we reach them? How do we do that together? Right. Um, what am I going to do in? In Botswana, or in right. in in, I mean, the world is so complicated, and so yes. it's not saying there is actually a a vocation and a need for that stuff. It's not saying we should stop it, but right. if we're if, what the question you're asking is, what do most people do right. in most uh, settings? Something really cool about Holy Cross is that you know that's people often get our name wrong. They're like the Congregation of the Holy Cross. Right, right, right. Assuming that it is in explicit and direct reference to the Holy cross of Jesus,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it is indirectly referenced to that. It's the congregation of Saint Croix, which is the name of a neighborhood mm. in Paris where Basil Moreau founded the community. Really he named us for the neighborhood where we were, which mm-hmm. of course was named for the cross of Jesus and Basil Moreau.
0: Right.
1: I mean that, that was exp- uh, consciously and explicitly part of the name yeah but there I have always liked that because it's kind of like the community from the very beginning has tried to deeply kind of take on the flavor of whatever place it uh has found itself so like it requires real discernment but you have to get into the Mm nitty-gritty of of those PTA meetings of those uh parish committee meetings of getting your neighbors together of talking to families. Um, that I think is, and that creates a beautiful and it's a slower, but it's a very deep work. Um, mm-hmm. and, no, and
0: that's, yeah, I, I, my mind is just blown right now by the, it was named after neighborhood. I didn't know that. <laughs> I thought I knew a lot, but I didn't know that. Saint Croix,
1: is, Saint Croix, holy cross.
0: Beautiful, um, as somebody who is French, I love that. But I especially love that there's that, even within the name of the congregation, there's this idea of we're close to the people that we find ourselves in and we love them in the particulars and we, we the mission them in that. And I mean, I've seen that on Notre Dame's campus. That's why there's a, a, a priest in every hall, right? That, that lives with those students and gets to know them in that particular situation. That's why there's such an affinity, I think, for, I mean, Father Dennis is the one I know the best, left St. Ignatius, but still talks to those people every single day down in Austin, Texas because of the closeness. Um, I imagine the same will be true for you uh, if you ever leave Chile. Um, Father, I am. this was a great conversation. Do you have any final thoughts as we wrap it up? What, you know, one last little rah-rah, if we bumped into you in an elevator and you knew this was the conversation we were having, what would you say?
1: I would say um, that... I want to reiterate the, the point that uh, you helped us make, Katie, which is the, um, the point of Christianity is to say, um, and the, this is uh, also at the heart of Basil Moreau is uh, Christianity forms other Christs. Like mm-hmm. that's what uh, in the end, and that happens through uh through the sacraments, it happens through prayer, meditating on the life of Jesus, becoming another Christ, um, and then a Christ that is busy uh, in and not necessarily the glamorous and cool. I mean, there's a whole complicated world going on in uh, you know in the school system of every town. You know, like what Absolutely. what a kids. I mean that that if if um, is a whole complicated world going on in the labor conditions in the family life of every town. And so, um, I think our mission is to show Christ, uh, to, to bear Christ into those places. Mm Um, and to, to extend his mission by extending his person through our own, our own person. Um, and, with all of the spiritual and material implications of that, um, of that mission. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say. I don't know if that was great, but that's that's what I would say,
0: Katie. It's precisely what I want. I know you have to get to class, but, but get to class. (laughs) People won't see my finger quotes, but that's the world we live in. Thank you so much for taking the time. Is there, do you have a Twitter? Do you have an Instagram? How can we follow along with your adventures?
1: You know, we, so we, the best way to follow along with our adventures would be go St. George. That's the Twitter handle of our, or sorry, Instagram handle. Go okay. St. George is the Instagram handle of St. George's college down here in Great. Uh, Santiago, Chile. Um, and that would be the best way to see. We, you know, we live stream masses on that. We have, a, it's very active. Actually we'll, uh, we'll link
0: it in the show notes for sure. Cause I'm sure everybody wants to, I know I'm going to go check it out as soon as we hang up. Um, yeah. It's cool. Excellent. It's well, thank sick. you, thank you again, Father, for your time.
1: Thank you, Katie. This has been really fun, and um, anytime you're always welcome down here in Santiago. Yes. <laughs> Not in the near. You probably have trouble getting. Not anytime in, soon. <laughs> but, you know, 2021. Well, we have extra rooms here.
0: Excellent. So, Excellent. I'll bring the yeah. family.
1: Yeah, there's room.
0: You know, hearing about the neighborhood, uh, the neighborhood that. Basil Moreau founded the congregation in, this concept of working right where we are to educate and to serve and to love people in the particular circumstances that we find ourselves. It reminds me of of another quote that we used earlier on in the season from St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, as she's known. Find your Calcutta. Find the places and, and the areas and the people right in front of you who need Your unique love and service. I mean, what a novel idea that the service and the love that we alone can bring, the mission that we have been given, the challenge that has been placed upon us, is not like anybody else's. You can't be Mother Teresa, you can't be Basil Moreau, you can't be Father Michael Thomas, you can't be me, and I can't be you, but together each one of us can serve and work within a particular part of the world, within a particular community, with a particular focus, a charism even, and do good, change the world even. That's what I've loved so much about this whole Ave Explorers Faith in Action series, that we've heard the stories of places that are doing this, that we've learned the practicals of Catholic social teaching, that we have unpacked and explored together the lives of saints and men and women in the world currently right now who are doing these great things. My favorite part of this whole series has been um, the showcase pieces that we've done. We've shown four different ministries across the country that are doing remarkable work: the Center for the Homeless in South Bend, Indiana; Catholic Charities of Southwest Louisiana; Father Michael Trail, a young priest in Chicago, and his parish's outreach to the Chicago community; um, and Homeboy Industries, which you've probably heard of before, with Father Greg Boyle over in Los Angeles, working with gang members who are trying to heal and to recover, um, and and to back into society free of gang life. We've told these stories because we didn't want this to just be theoretical, we wanted it to be practical, and I hope that we've done that with this series. You can go check out all of that over at the Ave Maria Press website, the link is down in the show notes. Read the articles, share the content, talk about it with your friends and family. We have another bonus episode coming up this Friday with DeCarlos Blackman from the Diocese of Austin talking about restorative justice, so we hope you tune in then. Uh, We'd be grateful for a rating, a review, and a share. And as always, we are grateful that you listened. Thanks so much.